Welcome back to Let's Break It Down. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us through the All-Star break. We took a little break to get the families right, get everything in order so that we could get back to podcasting when Stage 3 started. It's Lemons. It's Jay Will. We're here with you, and we are bringing you a recap of the Stage 2 playoffs. Jay Will, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty well, buddy. I'm I'm excited to be back after a few weeks of, like you said, getting right, spending a little more time with the family, enjoying our kids, our wives, stuff like that. So I'm excited to get back to podcasting, though, getting back to the grind. It's going to be hard not to call you coach. We just wrapped up some softball. It was a lot of fun with the kiddos. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's my first time uh, coaching softball. I usually, like I said, I stick to basketball for the most part, but that was, that was fun. It was nice to do something different and Nice to not be dealing with high schoolers who talk back to you every time you ask them to do something. <laughs> we had some sassy ones, but they were all fun. Shout out to the Williamsburg Orioles winning season. We got the W's. Dubs all the way around. All right. You are listening to the Let's Break It Down podcast. We are your hosts, Lemmings and Jay Will, sometimes Mark or Brian, but we have to put a dollar in the jar for those. Yes. Yes, you do. Unless they're warranted. We are an Overwatch League podcast. We're doing our best to be full-time Overwatch League coverage. So we're going to be covering patch changes, playoffs, player changes, news and notes, just anything you can think of that's in and around the Overwatch League. We're going to be doing our best to bring it to you in these podcasts. And as mentioned, you're listening to the Stage 2 Playoff Recap. So we're going to take a look back, all the way back, pretty far, <laughs> to the Stage 2 Playoffs. And kind of give you our takes on the matches. We are on Twitter. You can give us a follow us follow there at Break It Down OWL. That's also for Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow the podcast across most major podcasting platforms. And by that I mean Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We're still working on iHeartRadio. They're they're not re- responding to my requests. I don't know if we're popular enough yet. We're gonna get there though. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep hammering away, and eventually they they can't ignore us forever. Let me in, iHeartRadio. Let me in. <laughs> All right. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback that you want to give to us, then you can send it to breakitdownowl at gmail dot com. And without further ado, just kidding. Rewind. Take it back. Jay will before we get too far into the stage two playoffs over the break we've had some all star action what are your uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on the all stars I think they're doing a good job of making this entertaining and rewarding for the fans. I actually love to see the talent play the game and as opposed to talk the game like can you back up what you keep telling everybody so I enjoy that they're they're honest about their skill level, which is good but you know. You can have a strong knowledge base and not be able to execute. Maybe your your mechanical skills just aren't as high as you would like, and that's fine. But it is fun to watch them play each other and trash talk the crap out of each other. They just give each other hell. Yes. I, I enjoy enjoy that. I enjoy the arcade modes. Uh, the 1v1 Widow stuff is great. I'm hoping they actually expand on that uh, in the subsequent seasons, maybe an Ana 1v1. Um, I, I'd even pay for a Reinhardt 1v1 just to watch people swing the hammer and figure <laughs> out who's going to land there or shatter. Yeah. So maybe we'll get some more fun stuff like that. But overall, I think it's a great event. I think everybody has a good time. They're very, very relaxed, which is good to see. They're not as tense and obviously, you know, worked up as they are in regular matches. So it's definitely a good experience, a good, good unwind. 
And I'm so happy that they moved it to the middle of the season because the players clearly need it uh, to break up the season and get prepared for the last two stages to give us as fans their best effort, but also themselves because you can tell that they all want to win very badly when they play. Yeah, absolutely. Timing changes, huge plus. I would love to see a uh, Roadhog melee, you know, six oh, yeah. Roadhogs. Just, <laughs> just, just play it on well. Out. Just play it on well and do you have That's to what it, yes, only. that would be so good. Only. 6v6 Roadhog on on uh, on the well. Or actually, maybe like free-for-all Roadhog. Just eight free Roadhogs. Just That's fair, too. Or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Somebody can create that in the workshop, I'm sure. I was actually, the, the Widowmaker 1v1s were really intense. Getting into it and you're just like, oh, oh, oh. How did he pull that off or get that shot? Or So that was a lot of fun to watch. And actually, it's kind of some surprise high-level performances there. Shout out Nene making it as far as he did. You know, we've only been able to really see Zarya so far. So. Yeah, talk about a well-rounded DPS player. He can do a lot, and he proved it. It was really impressive to watch him do that 1v1 Widow stuff and make it to the finals. So kudos to him. Plus, there's no Zarya alt to throw in incorrectly. So. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Shots light, fired. Light shade. Light shade. <laughs> But um, yeah, that was absolutely a blast. Talent takedown is is fun as always. And also, I want to give a big shout out to uh, the Brendo Maker, our man Brencasts, just going absolutely ham on Widowmaker. <laughs> yeah, he was clicking clicking a lot of heads on uh, Watchpoint Gibraltar. Uh, felt bad for Achilles, honestly. Oh, Achilles was just getting, 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 just getting manhandled there. <laughs> and that's the wrong person to get wrecked by because if anybody of the talent is going to get you it just can't be brand because he's never going to let you forget about it i don't know though achilleos is pretty buff i'm not sure achilleos is the guy i want to be dumping a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of, of verbal shade on because i think there, there could be a physical return there no there will be none brand will keep that coming <laughs> he will do it on facebook he'll bring that up sometime i feel like he's going to bring that up sometime towards the end of the season just to make some other sort of point and it's going to be funny as i'll get out yeah for sure for sure so that was pretty. That was pretty intense. He did end up getting put back in his place. Uh, going, I think it was six uh, two against Gesture. Um, yes, it was. You know, it was. I believe it was that he got two off of Gesture, which not many people expected him to get two. No. So that was still good to him. But he made some classic, like I'm not used to this situation mistake, going back to the same <laughs> yeah. spot, trying the same thing. Too many three sixty air shots trying to go on. And he had some opportunities, which was the funnier part. He had some real opportunities to get gesture a few times and either couldn't finish him off or just missed the shot when he probably should have hit it so yeah so in the end uh atlantic is going to take the talent takedown which i thought was i think that should have been pretty obvious from the start if if, if i looked at those rosters i'd be like oh yeah, uh, yeah. atlantic's taking that walking away yeah um <laughs> and then uh you know pacific actually take pretty much most of the fun stuff <laughs> so your your arcade modes your 1v1s um those all get taken by the Pacific Division. And then in the end, though, it was going to be the Atlantic Division that was going to take down uh, Pacific in the kind of the official you know, all-star game, kind of the actual formatted game. Yeah, so what was funny about that is it looked like the Pacific was coming out to have a good time and put people on different heroes. And the Atlantic just stuck to their guns. He said, okay, you're a support player. I don't care which one you play, but you're playing support. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't really mess around with heroes. They played to their strengths and they... they more or less steamrolled the the Pacific Division in that that actual All-Star game. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed the All-Star games. I certainly hope everyone enjoyed and got an opportunity to enjoy an All-Star break. I know a lot of, you know, following a lot of the Twitters and everything, a lot of people got a chance to go home, so we love that. Kind of take a break from the the grind, you know, get get back to family and friends and and spend some time with them. So, you hope everyone is 
rested, refreshed, and ready for stage three. But before we get into stage three, we have not covered the end of stage two. We gave you a preview, told you where we thought it was going to go, but we've seen the results. We've had time to unpack, take notes, get involved. And so this is our stage two playoff recall. Let's try that again. Kicking it off on Thursday night. This is May 9th. Today's day, by the way, is May 30th. We'll cover that. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking off on Thursday, May 9th, we had the Shanghai Dragons in a rematch against the San Francisco Shock in the first quarterfinal match. The San Francisco Shock would end up taking down the Shanghai Dragons 3-1 in a game that from my perspective, some you know closely resembled the the game that they literally had just played at the end of stage two regular play week five. Shanghai Dragons looking competitive, looking you know pushing San Francisco Shock to their to their limits in certain cases, but ultimately at the end of the day, San Francisco Shock just a better team, a much better three three team. You know, not surprising to me that Shanghai got a match got a map off of them, but expected result at the end. Fully expected result. I definitely said going into this match that it was actually tricky for San Francisco just because they scrimmed Shanghai all the time. And Shanghai did not look bad against San Francisco in week five of stage two. So I wasn't surprised at all to see Shanghai take a map off of San Francisco. I think that was actually the best thing that could have happened for San Francisco, to be perfectly honest. They lost map one. It took that monkey off their back. and They no longer were worried about the, the streak in general. You know, because if they had kept winning maps all the way through the playoffs, that's all that would have been talked about was been they've been on this long of a streak, this long of a streak, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's just a, they're on this long of a stage win streak, et cetera, like map win streak for regular stage play, basically. So that's not anything they had to worry about in the playoffs after map one. They played looser. They looked more like themselves after map one. I thought they came out a little tight. I thought Shanghai came out with a good plan on uh, on Oasis. And that was kind of that. So it was 2-1, so it's not like San Francisco played poorly, but then they put their, their foot down and they said, no, this is the end of this and we're going to run this now. And that's what it looked like for the final three maps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, don't take anything away from the Shanghai Dragons. And, you know, certainly if, if you're listening, keep an eye to keep an eye on the Shanghai Dragons in stage three. Um, certainly a really strong, I think a much, much stronger, much improved team. And I look forward to them continuing to improve. And if they can just get that regular season play up a little bit, I think you're going to see a much stronger Shanghai Dragon. Yeah, that's a team that uh, coming into the season hadn't won a game. So, I mean, they finally learned how to win a match, you know, and then it takes a little extra time to learn how to, to beat some of the better teams. So it's only a matter of time before they start picking off some of the top quality teams. And I look forward to seeing that as we go along. And that takes us into our second quarterfinal match that we saw on Thursday and this was going to be the Hangzhou Spark taking on the London Spitfire bro this one was just fun (laughs) (laughs) this one was just fun for me so I I picked the New York Excelsior Los Angeles Gladiators kind of I, I called it an upset but technically the Gladiators were the higher seed anyways but I certainly had this match and I know for a fact that you had this match in the back of your head as like this is the one where, you know, we're going to have a quarterfinals upset. And it took a Hangzhou Spark uh, team that was looking really strong coming into the playoffs and a London Spitfire team that had kind of trailed off at the end of regular season of regular stage play. And you're kind of looking at it and going, okay, the trajectories that these two teams are on kind of line up for an upset. And then just to mention that Hangzhou Spark 
as you said, and as I found out in this match, have, I think, found something. And locking in Gushway, certainly really smart. They've been kind of a rotation of like, like Crystal and Adora. They've been kind of rotating back and forth. But I really do think that they've kind of started to gel together uh, and kind of found that magic that they had in the first couple of weeks of, of the actual season itself. So at the end of the day, this was going to be a Han Ung Jo Spark upset 3-1. to one. And I'm going to be pretty frank with you. So London Spitfire took Oasis, which was the first map, and then Hangzhou really never let him back in at all. It was actually kind of one-sided. It was very one-sided. Uh, I thought it was going to be a good match after London picked off map one. I assumed that Hangzhou would push them kind of to the limit. I assumed it would not just end in the next three maps the way it did nonetheless. So that was a little surprising because it's not like London had been playing poorly coming in. They obviously had dropped a couple matches coming into the playoffs, but they were still looking good. They much improved after week one of stage one. And I had some decent expectations of them. Now out of all the matches you're looking at, yes, this was the one where you said this is, this is the most likely upset of the bunch. Uh, Neither of us picked it, but you said it. And I know (laughs) I said it, I said it going into uh, freaking week four, the homestand. Yeah. It was coming out of week three where Hangzhou actually got beat 4-0 by San Francisco, where I looked at that and I said, that 4-0 is a little misleading because Hangzhou was playing much better than I had seen them play up until that point. And it appeared that they had really had found their found their groove more or less for how they wanted to play and who they wanted to play with. They have taken on a little more of Gushui's identity. They're playing behind him. He has got a tendency to be super aggressive, but they are now supporting that aggression and starting to look more comfortable within it. So that carried over into this. It carried over into week four. It carried over into week five and ultimately into these playoffs. And it enabled them to get a quarterfinal win over the number two seed. And granted, I mean, you can argue that the seed number doesn't really matter at this point because it's tiebreakers and technicalities, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We all know who the best teams are. Right. So that is what it is. But that was that was more or less a matchup for me. That was kind of more a coin flip a little bit. And, and I say a coin flip loosely. It's probably more of a 60-40 in my head. So uh, it was good to see Hangzhou come out and continue their momentum, though, and and get that playoff win because now the expectations are going to start rising as we go along. And now it's a question of, is this team going to take another step and start joining teams like the Gladiators, the NYXL? Um, obviously, I don't say they're going to join the Titans in shock at the moment, but can you get closer to them sure, in, sure. in Stage 3? You know, things like that. So, But they they controlled this match. They They took away London's ability basically to do anything they wanted to do i mean i was impressed with the way hangzhou just controlled each map and each point they looked like this is our game plan this is what we want to do and you're going to have to adjust to it and that's what london looked like they looked like they were stuck adjusting the whole time and never got adjusted yeah no absolutely i mean i kind of took some i I took some notes i took detailed notes but I, i if i wanted to sum them up at a pretty high level yeah, you know, the London alt mismanagement, but I I think it was less maybe mismanagement as much as it is Hangzhou was playing really aggressively, and so London really just couldn't follow up on a lot of it. Gushui is just a better Winston. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, he's oh. sick on that, isn't he? I'm I'm real sorry, Gesture, but yeah, um, that's no Gushui. shot at Gesture at all. Yeah. But my goodness, Gushui is just better like, than you. Woo! Yeah, but and Gucci was actually playing a much better Ryan, honestly, in this particular matchup. I don't want to take anything away from Gesture there. I mean, you know, 
every match is its own kind of independent situation. So in this case, Gushue was just looking a lot better. But yeah, Hangzhou kind of found this aggressive style that was allowing them to put London on the back foot, and they just never really could get back onto the front foot. They couldn't find, like, their ults, whenever they used them, they couldn't follow up on them. They were disjointed. Gushue and Rhea had really good Ryan Diva timing. Rhea's Diva bombs were, I think, in many cases, more successful than Fury's. Also, though, big shout out to Fury. He's still disgustingly good at eating ultimates. <laughs> Backfit over there. Um, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, <laughs> he's just, he just swallowing him up. Hangzhou found a lot of good aggression. Uh, London really just couldn't find a way to, to respond. After Thursday's late night upset, we were going to head on into Friday, where Lemmings was hopeful that a strong-looking Los Angeles Gladiators could be a team to knock out the New York Excelsior, who has a a tendency tendency to kind <coughs> of uh, have some have some throat blockage problems in in the playoffs. <laughs> No, they they the New York Excelsior have on multiple occasions choked, and I I, I picked into it. Uh, but ultimately, that's not something that you can predict, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a note. You know, at, you know, when you're playing fantasy football, right? You can't predict touchdowns. It's really, really hard to do. Right. Um, you can take historical records and do all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, it it's that is by far and away the stat that varies the most. And so, same thing here. I tried to tried to like be cheeky and pick into the pick into the uh, into the choke. And that's you can never predict that. So ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to go with the better talented team. The New York Excelsior, despite the the case that I tried to lay out, I was thinking about it as the match was playing. I was like, dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you tried to say that Shaz and those guys are better a better Zenyatta, like you know, it's just than Jonak. So no, New York Excelsior, uh, certainly the more talented team. From my perspective, the Los Angeles Gladiators kind of played into their hands a little bit. I mean, we've seen some teams that, not some, we've seen Atlanta (laughs) take down the New York Excelsior twice by really frustrating their ability to support Jonak and and not allowing the New York Excelsior, not giving them the freedom to do that counterpunch strategy that they like to so much, you know, kind of let you come in, let you spend your resources, we'll just back out no problem, and then when we come back, we're going to be swinging hard, so... Those are my those are my kind of thoughts on the match. Ultimately, the New York Excelsior would take down the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-0. This match was more or less classic NYXL. They finally didn't, you know, try to not be themselves basically in a playoff matchup. Ended up getting a playoff win this season finally. I mean, it only took two stages, but it was just a big blemish after the way that season 1 ended for them in the grand final not the grand finals, but the uh, season playoffs um to the to the Fusion. And so you you wanted to see them come out and be themselves, which was the positive from this. And themselves is, like you said, waiting for you to make a mistake and then capitalizing on it. And they took advantage of everything that L.A. tried to do. And it just it didn't work for L.A. I was thoroughly excited to see New York play that way. I was like, this is how they need to play. This is how they're going to be successful. And this is going to set up what I want to see when they play other teams because they play a far different style from the other two top teams. They're much more, like we said, on the back foot, waiting to react to what you're going to do while the San Francisco's and Vancouver's of the world are very much, we're going to be in your face and we're coming down your throat, deal with our aggression. So it's two contrasting styles. Both can work. It's a question of obviously what's going to work on what day, but in terms of NYXL as themselves, 
They needed to get back to playing their style, and that's exactly what they did in this playoff matchup. And for the final matchup of the day on Friday, we were going to be seeing the Dallas Fuel, a strong-looking Dallas Fuel, coming into the playoffs swinging, taking on the Vancouver Titans. And as much as people may have hoped for a much more competitive matchup, this is going to be the Vancouver Titans taking down the Dallas Fuel 3-0 in in the manner that the Vancouver Titans do, right? I mean, it's it's smash mouth. It's smash mouth Overwatch. It's in your face. It's everything, you know, all resources and everything else pumped into bumper. It's everyone plays around bumper. It's it's just really really aggressive and there's a lot of teams that struggle mightily to find a way to to respond to it. And Chalk Dallas Fuel Up is another one of those teams that couldn't quite handle it. Yeah, I felt bad for Dallas. They, Out of everybody, they were the ones that got the worst possible matchup for themselves. Yeah. Um, Hangzhou versus London was good for Hangzhou. LAG versus NYXL was not a bad matchup for the Gladiators. Shanghai, I'm sure, was happy to see San Francisco again. It's a familiar opponent in terms of the way they scrim all the time, and they had just played them. But poor Dallas took on the Titans, and that's just not a monster you wanted to tackle. Especially with the way that Dallas is trying to play now. They're pretty much committing to playing full 3-3 with the trade of RCK for note. And it's worked out great for them, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they're still trying to get to the next level of that 3-3 play, and they're not there yet. And when you're going to try to mirror what Vancouver does, best of luck to you right now. Yeah, it's just interesting how many teams try and, and mirror what they're doing. And it's just, you're not them. <laughs> and they're they're the best at that. <laughs> so why are you why are you trying to to compete on their stage? But like you said, I mean, with the trade, they lost a little bit of that flexibility to go into the Sombra. So they've been they've been committed fully to to the Diva three three, and and it's worked out pretty well. I mean, they had a really strong showing in stage two, and I I don't expect any reason for regression in in stage three. Mm-mm. So I look forward to them even potentially having a better record, hopefully not dropping. I mean, they dropped, I feel like they dropped a couple kind of silly ones right before the homestand weekend. Yeah, they, they had that like, guys, no, you got to handle that business. Yeah, they actually had, I think uh, it was an 08 week. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, oh, like they lost 4-0, 4-0. Uh, I think one was to Seoul, and I can't remember who the other one was to. But it was, it was not a very good week for them going to that homestand, and they got that ship righted, and then obviously got got going back towards the playoffs. They just... They just weren't enough for Vancouver. Apparently, nature is unhappy with our take on the Dallas fuel. Is that thunder? Is that what that I heard? Was thunder. <laughs> oh man, that must have been what I heard over here, probably about two and a half, three minutes ago. I was like, "Was that what I thought it was outside of my window?" <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We're bringing you the thunderous takes. A little bit Heck of thunder, yeah, a little bit of lightning. <laughs> yeah. That was a wrap on the quarterfinals. Uh, largely, I think, I think not a huge number of shocks. Certainly not the the sole New York shock that that we had last time. Exactly. Um, I really felt like, I mean, you know, Hangzhou beating London isn't was not like, a, oh my gosh, like running outside, crazy upset. I was like, oh, that that's legit. That could have happened. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely could have happened. <laughs> so that takes us into the semifinals, which occurred on Saturday, May the 11th. And this is pretty cool, I think, if you're, if you're the Overwatch League. So this is a 50-50 split, you know, kind of the top two expansion teams. And I think what a lot of people thought was going to be the top two expansion teams, you know, maybe even preseason, uh, not myself because I hated the pink, but <laughs> <laughs> but many people believe that Vancouver and Hangzhou would be probably some of the more competitive um, 
expansion teams taking on, you know, basically the top two old guards. The first match up was going to be the Hangzhou Spark taking on the San Francisco Shock. And this match was not a shock. It was going to be San Francisco taking down Hangzhou 4-0. I do, again, just just watching this matchup. If you're a Hangzhou Spark fan, I think you should be happy in a way. I mean, you, should, you know, you can't be like thrilled. You hope that they win, obviously. But you should watch that match and go, wow. Like, I, I really just genuinely think that we're consistently improving on this team and that we're coming together more and more as a team and that we have found a consistent roster and a consistent way to play that can lead to long-term success if we just start cleaning up some of the mistakes. And they even had some mistakes in the London game. One that comes to mind is like they picked off Fury early and then they got they got they pushed it down underneath the path in Gibraltar and they had London like in the corner and they didn't push in and aggress on that. So same thing here. They had their mistakes and San Francisco Shock is just a a fantastic team, especially when it comes to three three. And they're gonna capitalize on every single mistake that you make. They're gonna make you pay for it and they're gonna make you pay for it big time. I'm not, I mean, I'm not hugely surprised, but I, I just, I just think if you're a, a Hangzhou Spark team, you made it to the semifinals, you took on, you know, the stage two undefeated, didn't drop a match team, and you looked okay doing it. I mean, even though the score at the end of the day was 4-0, you looked okay doing it. I think, I think the word you were looking for earlier was encouraged if you're a Hangzhou Spark fan. Yes. While your go. team, yeah, while your, while your team is not on the level of these top two or three teams, basically. Yeah, you just have to crack that tier. Right, they've steadily improved, and they've just got to improve some more in order to to start beating these teams, or at the very least, you know, getting into that map five range, or in this case for the semis, it would have been map six. Probably would have felt a little better about how they have played. This was just a matter of you're not the better team. It, it, you didn't make a ton of mistakes, and you didn't look that bad. You just aren't as good as the San Francisco shock who obviously 28 no on maps tells you everything you need to know. I don't care who they play 28. No tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. And that is spectacular. Are you sure that's not Bush gardens, by the way? I don't think the Bush garden, not, not at 11 o'clock. On the- I, know, I didn't even, I didn't even check the time. Oh man, that was crazy. Sorry. Yes. Thunder. We don't live that far apart, <laughs> but um, back to the Hangzhou spark. They, they made their mistakes that they're more or less accustomed to making. Um, they have reduced their number, and San Francisco just rams those back down your throat. I mean, and once once you let the floodgates open for them, it's it's good night. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun to watch if you're just a fan or if you're a San Francisco fan. It's not fun if you're the team playing against them. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was the path to the playoffs that we were all promised in stage one. <laughs> this yes. is, this is what everyone was hoping where this would go. You know, this is this is what we thought stage one playoffs were going to be, and and here we are, and we're in the semifinals, and we had two of you know San Francisco Shock taking on a really good Hangzhou Spark, but this was like this was the match, you know, this is the the old guard, the undefeated old guard taking on the undefeated new expansion team, and New York Excelsior for a lot of people is kind of the bar they set the bar in in Overwatch League, certainly in in regular st- stage play. They're still struggling with their their playoff appearances. Um, and so this is going to be the New York Excelsior taking on the Vancouver Titans. From my perspective, watching this matchup, even though, again, the score would end up a little bit one-sided, I mean, this was the closest and probably the most nervous I'd, I've been about, about Vancouver losing 
ever. <laughs> other than, other than maybe there was that was that there was that odd. Um, it was like the first time San Francisco and Vancouver played where they were like one diva bomb away, basically. From going to, I believe it was like map five or something like that. Yeah. Um, the one that actually I thought they were going to lose was the, the Chengdu one. That was the one I thought they actually were going oh, to yeah, lose. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. But, um, you know, New York Excelsior played strong and played well. I mean, Vancouver Titans, when you get them in a 3-3 and you're trying to mirror match what they're doing, they're just they're just so much better. Yeah, mirroring against them is not a good decision. However, I'm going to put it this way. This match is much closer than that 4-1 score indicates. New York was probably one or two fights from winning at least one of those one of those maps, if not two of them, and going into map six, basically. I was, I was concerned for Vancouver in certain times. New York did what they should have done, which was play their style again, which was take advantage of Vancouver's aggression. And that first map that New York took, at least I think it was the first map, uh, it was that was the second actual map. It was a uh, blizzard world. Was it blizzard world? They took, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well the first map, they actually went up one Oh on the control point, right? Yes. They went up one. Yes. And, then and even in that, even back. in that map, you could see it. You could see that they were taking advantage of Vancouver's aggression. They just had some unfortunate timings on their alt economy when it came to getting closer to that 99% area going into a hundred. So they weren't able to win any, either of the other two rounds. But on Blizzard World, that trend continued where they took advantage of Bumper heavily. And they, they made him pay for everything he did. And Vancouver, that was the first time, and I, I tweeted this out while I was watching it, that was like that entire match was the first time Vancouver had to stop and think about what they were doing before they did it. Yeah, and you can see it. Don't they just were, send Bumper in. <laughs> right. They were way more patient with some of their decisions and what some of their calls and what they wanted to do. And when they decided to make those calls, especially in maps three, four, and five, that's when things started to turn way more in their favor, even though New York was still right there with them. They weren't getting blown out. They just weren't able to close the deal on any maps, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm looking forward to hopefully another matchup in the stage three playoffs, if we can get there. Uh, definitely the final matchup of, I believe it's the final matchup of week five in stage four. If not, I know it's on the last day of week five. And if this was the path to the playoffs that we all expected, then this ultimately should have been the result that everyone saw coming. And that was the Vancouver Titans taking on the San Francisco Shock in the stage two grand final. Well, do you call them grand still? Or you just no, it's just final, final. Stage two finals. Yeah, because the grands are at the end. So the stage two finals. Stage two finals are here. It's it's the Vancouver Titans. It's the San Francisco Shock. Basically, your two undefeated kings of stage two. San Francisco a little bit more so because they got their golden stage. Vancouver yeah. likes to drop a map from time to time with some some cheesiness. <laughs> so let's get let's get right on into this. So we're gonna kick it off. Map one's gonna be Lijong Tower. San Francisco is going to take this two to zero. Dun dun dun. I won't. I won't lie to you. I knew it was over after this. I I, I understand Vancouver won the next two maps, but after that two zero on control point, I was like, this thing is toast. They, San Francisco is on a whole other level right now, yeah. and Vancouver had to fight so hard just to get back into this to win maps two and then map three. I you can sell me on Paris just being a complete just crap show. I hate I, Paris. I think it's that's a terrible map. map. I think, it, I think it's, it's got a map problem. It's going to get dropped. Yeah. I, I believe going into stage three. I don't see how it can't. You either get snowballed or full held. And it, neither one of those things are fun. Like, no. I just, I don't like it as a map. It's never been exciting to me. 
It's really, really long in terms of like physical distance. To go from one place to the next, yeah. Yeah, from all for all the points. And then like when you take point one, you get like five minutes or it's crazy. I don't like it. Paris. My my problem is it's just poorly designed to get to point one. Very poorly designed. Oh, it's like the chokey of all chokes jokes. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) That choke point is the worst out of all of them. But anyway. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Map, we'll get there. Yeah. Map one was was all San Francisco, and it was it was yes, over it was. immediately. You saw it, and I was like, "There's no way San Francisco loses this match. I don't care how long it goes. Yeah. It can go to seven, but San Francisco's winning this thing because they're playing just on a completely different level than Vancouver is, and Vancouver's got to wake up just to stay in this." Yeah, I I mean San Francisco. There were times in the first in the stage one finals where I really genuinely thought San Francisco was going to take down Vancouver. And at that point, they were still they, – I mean, they still hadn't completely, you know, kind of found their style, I guess, or, or found their, their groove that they would find in stage two. There was no regression in play. There was nothing. It was Sinatra and Super out in front, handling business, and, you know, just an amazing support line. Just – it was just – it's San Francisco. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. It's super in Sinatra. I mean, that's who your eyes are naturally gravitated to. But they have such great moth, rascal, mm-hmm. and those guys so good at keeping those guys alive in the in the middle of it all, right? Because mm-hmm. Sinatra likes to die. I mean, he's he's constant high energy, but that means he's got to be constantly on the front lines, constantly in deep. And I mean, there's that there's that dance of death that him and Super do up front, and it's just really well supported. Yeah, they're full on press W go and go. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's that's how they play, and especially after they've won a team fight, and you know Sinatra's got high charge. Yeah, he, he's coming for you. He's not going to slow down. He's not going to back up. It is literally press W. Keep going. Yeah, just create more space. Create more space. Create more space. And I, I won't lie, I was playing about a week ago, and I, I was playing Zarya, and I was playing with the Reinhardt, and I was having to coach the Reinhardt through this. Like, I need you up here with me. Yeah. But it got to the point where I was able to tell him, keep coming, come with me, just keep coming with me, keep coming with me. And we created so much space because I was able to keep my charge up. And I mean, I'm not a phenomenal player. I mean, I'm playing with golds and silvers. So it is what it is. But it's the the simple fact that if you keep pressing W and keep going forward and you have your bubbles available and you have Reinhardt with you, it, it becomes a nasty combination because it's like, who are you going to deal with right now? It's either I take damage from this melee cleave or I take damage from Zarya, who's at a higher energy. And I can't attack either of them because the bubble is going to go on as soon as that happens. Right. So it, it, they they play that probably probably the best out of anybody in the league. And like I said, they just press W, and it works. No, for very sure. I mean, so you know, Sam and Sue and Bumper just have two very different play styles. Whereas yeah. Sinatra and Super are very like in sync with each other on the play style. Right? Yeah, they're, they're like Bumper one is person. super aggress, super in all the time, and Sam and Sue's a much more passive. Um, mm-hmm. Zarya. Whereas, you know, Sinatra and Super are just kind of, in a way, almost a little bit reversed. Like, Super is much more, I'm going to guard the team and be successful at doing that. You know, play, playing a little bit aggressively, create a little bit of space. But he actually gives Sinatra room and freedom to kind of get in front and get that high energy, get that charge. And then retreat back behind his shield when he needs to. So, that's going to lead to King's Row, a map that I never want to see the Vancouver Titans on if I'm an enemy team. <laughs> just It's stupid scary. Yep, even if you're successful, even if you're doing work, I just they're going to come back and they're going to take it from you. So <laughs> it doesn't matter how or when or where, it's just a matter of, well, it's just a matter of when. <laughs> it doesn't matter how or where, eventually they're going to get more points than you. That's just how it happens on King's Row. <laughs> Pretty much. This actually reminded me of the matchup where the John Ubom had to save 
Vancouver uh, and not because they had to save them, but because San Francisco kind of got stalled out in that same area on their yep. time bank run. And it was like, dang, you guys are not, you're not going to have enough to finish this deal. Unfortunately, you're going to get stuck in the same spot where you could not stop Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. So the Vancouver Titans take Kings row five to four, which brings us to Paris, which we gave you our personal thoughts on earlier, but I think those are applicable to the Overwatch League. I've not watched very many Paris matches that I'm like, wow, that was super competitive. Everything, you know, it was highly contested forever. It just always felt like somebody's either getting full held on point one or it's like a straight steamroll into um, into point two. So yeah, because we've seen teams, uh, specifically Houston, get down to having to try to complete the freaking first point in overtime, and they were, you know, they are able to pull it off, and then all of a sudden they're just steamrolling into point two, and it's over. It's like what the heck? And it's so weird. It's it actually to me it actually almost doesn't make sense either because that by far is one of the longest walks be- between points that I can think of. And I don't know the actual, like, you know, I'm sure somebody's got, like, the meter-by-meter meter distance to that. But point A Paris to, to second point Paris, or point B Paris, since I'll, I'll try and be consistent in my numbers or letters, <laughs> that is, like, the longest haul that I've ever seen. So, arguably, from my perspective, the defense has the most time to respawn and get in position. So, it shouldn't be full steam rolls, but here we are. Not much to talk about here. I mean, San Francisco shot get full held on, on point A. It's trying to stick. Stick. Be consistent. On point A, and Vancouver managed to get their 33.3 repeating percent. So Yeah, it really isn't much to talk about. Uh, San Francisco did not look like they had an answer to get through that choke and make any sort of considerable progress on point A, while Vancouver's defense looked phenomenal. And then they came out, put their foot down, and said, we only need to get this, so run this, go. And that was San Francisco's pick, too. Right, so Kings Row was Vancouver's pick. Which put them on Paris, which was, uh, well, they beat King, they beat San Francisco on, on King's Row, which meant uh, San Francisco got to pick map three, which was Paris. Yeah, certainly a puzzling pick for from my perspective, but I guess they didn't want to play, what are their, what were their options? Anubis, uh, Volskaya, whatever. I don't, I don't remember all the map or the stage two rotations, but, yeah. you know, it's things like that. I think unless you were just trying to get Paris out of the way because you wanted to make sure it didn't come up later. Well, whatever their strategy was, it worked. So that was the last we would see of the Vancouver Titans. <laughs> As we know them. Now, we would see them for three more matches, but it was going to get kicked off on Watchpoint Gibraltar. San Francisco Shock take four to three. So here come the Shock. Competitive map. Uh, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. I can't remember who had more in the time bank, but I want to say San Francisco did. And their defense, if I remember correctly, looked actually really good. Even though Vancouver got all three points, you were just watching them and you're like, this is not Vancouver's pace. This is not Vancouver's pace. This is not Vancouver's pace. And San Francisco was very much in control of that defense and they did the right thing. And for me, when you're, especially when you're doing uh, the payload maps, the escort maps, it's just about making sure that you're making the offensive team take as much time as possible before they get to the next capture. Because that reduces the next amount of time that they have, which puts them under more pressure. Now, obviously, you have to be able to match that. But when we're talking Overwatch League teams, I feel like they're a little more confident in their ability to match these points than myself and, you know, five other randos. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Solo uh, queue, competitive silver. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's bad. But uh, San Francisco was very much in control on their defense. And I was not surprised to see their offense look as impressive as it did on this map. 
I don't remember what the time bank for them was, but they, they made again, Vancouver look like Vancouver was down a peg from where San Francisco was playing. And I'm not putting that on Vancouver. I'm saying that's how high of a level San Francisco played at this entire match. Yeah. They, I mean, they just, they have gotten to, they have ascended. They are, yeah. they went, they went super Saiyan. <laughs> yes. Which takes us to Oasis. Don't get hit by the traffic, but Lee Zhang Tower would have been a foreshadow for how this control point map was going to go. Vancouver just absolutely did not have an answer for San Francisco's aggression on control maps. They no, just, they, they were couldn't no. do it. They couldn't and, match up with them at all, and it looked bad for Vancouver. To be perfectly honest, this wasn't a a matter of okay, we just had a bad map. This was a complete strategy breakdown or slash you know, demolishing from San Francisco. Yeah. I don't know if it was mental. I don't know if it was physical. I don't know what it was, but you're just looking at at this match and you're watching it and you're like, this is not the Vancouver that I know. And they couldn't, they just couldn't get anything going. No, nothing, nothing, nothing was working. Yeah. That would be the San Francisco shock, uh, taking Oasis two to zero again. So Lijong, Two to zero, Oasis two to zero. This looked to me more like Vancouver struggling on control point maps than necessarily San Francisco Shock, but they could have just looked like that because of the level at which San Francisco Shock was playing. Mm-hmm. Which takes us to Vancouver Titans pick for a hybrid map six, and that would be Blizzard World. I'm trying to figure out. I think, and I even think the caster is kind of questioned this pick because San Francisco, if I remember correctly, is actually really good on this map. So I'm trying to trying to figure out what led Vancouver to pick this over the other. I guess it was only one other option, right? For S for hybrid, hybrid they, so they would have Row. They play Kings Row. Do you remember so the third map World. that's available for this? Is it Dorado? Not Dorado. Is it Hollywood? Is Hollywood in the rotation? Do you remember? No. I don't think it was. I'm trying to remember the other map though, and I can't off the top of my head. All right, I'm gonna look it up. You keep talking. Okay. Either way, the, the, I, I'm 99% sure the caster said this. This was one of San Francisco's stronger maps, and it actually really, really showed. Now, San Francisco did not cap all three points, which is not really the biggest issue because I believe San Francisco went first, and I'm remembering the video in my head right now. Yeah, they were defending second. So, But they were able to cap the, the two points and make a good push into the third point, and then defensively, they stalled out point one pretty well, came back and obviously prevented Vancouver from picking up the second point. But it was another one of those situations where you're watching Vancouver play and you're watching what San Francisco is doing and you're saying Vancouver doesn't have an answer. Vancouver does not have one answer to solve what San Francisco is doing right now. San Francisco is playing their their usual style. It's in your face. It's here comes Super, here comes Sinatra. And essentially San Francisco simply... At, just about every level of every player outplayed Vancouver throughout the entirety of this match, especially these last three maps. It was it was a joy to watch for me because I picked San Francisco to win the stage because I was like, no, this is their stage. And I think it was even more important because map six up 3-2 is where they failed in stage one against Vancouver. So this was, hey, get over the hump now or we're going to have all of those demons come right back into our heads about not being able to pick off map seven after losing map map six when they should have won map six, in my opinion, uh, when they played in stage one. Yeah. Um, so the last map was Eichenwald is the other hybrid that they could have picked. Right, right. And looking at the stats here, so you had San Francisco was 
four zero on Eichenwald, and at the time I'm imagining three zero on Blizzard World. So I think it was kind of six and one half dozen the other there. That's fair. But uh, Vancouver was two one. I'm imagining at the time Blizzard World, so they're two two now. So they are they are they were two one Blizzard World and two zero Eichenwald. Potentially from their own perspective, Eichenwald would have been a better pick, but I don't think picking San, I mean San Francisco's undefeated on both, so I don't think that was going to have a huge huge impact one way or the other. This one is interesting to me, and it all for me kind of came down to one fight, which I imagine you know probably most maps do. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's actually really fair. Most maps come down to like this one fight, even though you can pinpoint other areas where you could have succeeded a little better right. and not let it come to that. But at the end of the day, most most maps come down to that's just this one fight. So it's it's the last fight, and you have you have to go watch the last fight because it, from my perspective. It's just really crazy how it goes down, right? So if you listen to all the big casters that have kind of you know moved away from Overwatch League, you know, certainly Siegel comes to mind where he's just like, oh, if you have more cues and you press cues better, then you just win fights. And that's just how Overwatch is, which I disagree with. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with, but, you know, that should have been expected. This game was about ultimates and ultimate usage and using them as a team from the start. It you know it was never intended to be like a Call of Duty just skill shot game, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, so this this last fight, if you're watching this last fight, there's two things that go really wrong for Vancouver. <laughs> um, so they come into the fight, they have more ultimates. They this is they are on their push. They have uh, capture point one, and they are moving the payload around. It's actually the siege tank. I don't know what area you want to call it, but it's kind of a semicircle area where you go around and the, the, the final, you know, the, the second point there or the first payload point is those gates, the gates that lead into kind of the dungeon area. They're pushing it around. They've got a good push. They're actually coming around the backside. They're actually, they're pretty close to the gates. The cart is sitting directly or a little bit in front of underneath of a path that kind of goes overhead. So watch this last fight. And you're going to watch, there's a team fight happening down on the cart. And then there's like a second fight. And for whatever reason, and I might have to replace this name later, but it's it's Slime who plays Lucio, right? I believe that's correct, yes. So Slime and Sinatra are having like a 1v1 battle above, like on the pathway above where the cart is going on. So I think Sinatra was going for a flank and he got caught by Slime. And they're having this 1v1 up there. But I think the rest of Vancouver lost track of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the best way to put it because what ends up happening is they engage into this team fight. Slime has to come back down, obviously, to provide speed boosts and healing to his team. And I think they lose Sinatra's position. So for the remainder of this fight, a, a semi-high energy Sinatra is permitted through to basically rain down Zarya damage from above. And it's going to cost them a lot later because Vancouver commits. They send in their Graviton Surge. It actually gets most of San Francisco shock. And Bumper is charging into that as his bumpers want to do. <laughs> Well, and, and that's ultimately the strategy, right? If I can, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I can take out the Reinhardt sh shield, or if I can get a shield down, or I can at least you know deposition him, I can get a couple picks with the Diva Bomb. The Diva Bomb is going, and I'm still not sure. I've slowed it down. I've paused my way through it. I've really taken a look. Bumper's charge gets interrupted, but I don't know by who or how. 
It's really odd. Like he's two options are somebody Reinhardt and and Bridget, right? There's only two options interrupted unless it's something on the map. But it looks like he, it almost looks like he actually gets, I I think what actually happened is Moth actually boops him out of the path. Like, I think he kind of moves back a little bit and then misses. That's fair. So I don't know. Ultimately, you got to watch the fight, slow it down, take a look. But Bumper's charging into the black hole. They should have won the fight. They don't win the fight. And a big part of them not being able to win the fight is Bumper charges through the Graviton Surge. And I believe he actually, he might have gotten like Rascal or somebody, but he doesn't actually, you know, because of the boop or something like that, he becomes disconnected. So they don't get a pick out of the initial Graviton Surge and they're able to withstand the Diva Bomb. So while that is all occurring, we forgot about Sinatra, high energy Zarya, Sinatra on the path above us, raining in damage. Drops the Graviton Surge on the back line of Vancouver. And so even if Van- even though Vancouver is able, I believe, to get one pick, Sinatra just starts tearing apart their back line. And ultimately, that was the fight that, I mean, it kind of sealed it sealed the deal. Right? I mean, they had 35 seconds, I think, to make it back to the card. I don't think anybody did. Now, they, I'm pretty sure they just trickled in after that point. Yeah. So but- go back and watch the fight. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting fight. It's, it's so multidimensional. But it, it doesn't, you know, it, by all, for all intents and purposes, if you're looking at it on paper, as these two teams clash, like if you're just saying, okay, these are the ults that they have, these are the HP pools, these are everything else, Vancouver has every right to win that fight because I believe they had, I believe they had almost a full six pack, and I think San Francisco only had like four ultimates, but but San Francisco was able to turn that fight around and. And it came down to those minutia of just like losing track of, you know, potentially one of the most dangerous Zarya's to play the game right, you know, right now. And, and this odd kind of, I mean, again, I mean, slow it down and look at it. I can't figure out exactly what happens in that melee. I'll have to go back and watch that. But if there's one thing I know, you can't let Azaria get high ground advantage on you and just rain down. Yeah. Because while, they do, while she does have a, a straight beam, you know, that projectile no longer has to be arced to the right distance. It's just fire straight. Like, just, it's basically firing a straight bullet at that point Chunk with a, a big AoE effect. And so you just lob them straight down, especially if you have enough charge. Those are doing AoE damage. You're going to get your alt faster if you don't have it. You're going to do pretty good damage. And then and they are close enough. You can just use your beam and you can really tear through people quickly. And it's it's really kind of crazy. So that's a definitely a huge mistake by Vancouver to allow that to happen and not deal with it before it got to, you know, 35 seconds. And now we're just scrambling to try to stay alive. Yeah. It's one of those things where a decision like that, where um, just a, not a, not a God tier play by any means, but just a, a quality play by a quality Zarya player to, to get into that position and stay there can make the difference in a team fight. Even when your alt economy, isn't what you would like it to be going into the fight. And so ultimately at the end of the day, it would be, the San Francisco shock. This was the roster they were promised. This is the success that they were promised. This is everything that that I have to imagine that they thought this was going to be. When an expansion expansion team into the league stole their stage one away from them, and they really, I mean, in, in in multiple situations, really felt like probably they had it. For all the doubters that said, oh, they can't seal the deal, they have trouble in that last matchup, this is it. Stage two playoff champions. I, I couldn't be more happy for them. I mean, what what a team. 
what a what a good I mean just I mean when you listen to their comms, when you watch them play, they're excited, they're fun, they're having a good time, they're confident, they're a little you know Sinatra's a little bit cocky and I like it. Just a, you know it looks like a great a great team. It would looks like it would be fun to be just around that team. But just I mean congratulations to you guys. I mean what a what a what a job taking down a team that hadn't lost in over well coming close to a year of Overwatch contenders and then ultimately in Overwatch League they hadn't lost a match. What a good job taking them down, doing it your way. I mean just playing San Francisco Shock to the highest possible level that you could. Yeah, definitely San Francisco stage. They they played far better than everybody else and it showed against Vancouver in this matchup. They they earned the right to be the stage 2 champions. I'm I'm thrilled for them. Uh I'm happy to to be a bandwagoner at this point. Uh, <laughs> hoping Houston gets it turned around so we can start saying these kind of things about Houston, but at the end of the day, it was really nice to see their investment pay off. Uh they more or less took a gamble with the the younger guys and and they made it work. Uh, I really do think they knew what they had in those two and I think they made a really not it wasn't even really their decision but the, I think even the meta helped a little bit and yeah. Now having a player like Sinatra who could just move right into that Zarya role naturally. I mean, it, it's paid huge dividends for them. So kudos to them, the whole organization. Uh, the the sky's the limit right now for them. We'll see what stages three and four have in store for them. But if you're asking me to put money on somebody right now going forward, there's only two teams that I'm going to even remotely consider. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our take on the stage two playoffs. Again, you can give us a follow, the Let's Break It Down podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can follow us at Break It Down OWL on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us, breakitdownowl at gmail.com. Keep tuned. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Hit the love us button. Give us everything. Give us all of your your clicks. <laughs> but uh, but stay tuned. So so we're gonna be covering uh, coming up shortly here. We're gonna be covering the stage three changes. So we've had some player movement. We've had uh, some patches. Some patches. I don't and you know little 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 teaser here. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect gigantic changes. Yeah, nothing nothing <laughs> earth shattering in these patches. But something still some significant stuff to pay attention to. Some big stuff that needs to be paid attention to. Uh, and then and then shortly after that, we'll be hitting you guys with our take on week one of stage three. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you come back and, and listen to those coming up episodes.